0: I have a real treat for you today. Two short jokes and a long joke. Ready? Joke, joke, joke. <laughs> Super cheesy. It's totally the dad joke. You know how I know? Because I got it from my husband. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 114 of Starting Sustainability, the podcast, hosted by yours truly, Kaylin Chenowitz. Since it has been a couple of weeks, there is a little bit to catch up on, on what's going on in my personal life, which I'm aware I am overly excited about, but my last three loofahs are finally dried out. When I shake them, I can hear the seeds rattling around on the inside. So I'm very, 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 very excited about that. And the reason for all of this excitement is, if you're new to this podcast, you don't realize that literally a year ago, last February, I planted the loofah seeds. And I grew them in the windowsills in my home. And I had to spare them from super cold windows, windows getting left open, cats knocking them over, children knocking them over, forgetting to water them, overwatering them. They survived. They made it finally passed the last freeze. We had consistently warm weather, planted them outside, and then I had to save them from the lawnmower and the rabbits and the weed whacker. It was really the weed whacker more than anything, to where I only had one plant left that survived, and it grew, and it grew, and it's a vine, and it grew, and it took up four panels of my fence. The entire East side fencing of my yard was completely covered in the one loofah plant that produced over 14 loofahs. Then I harvested them because a frost or actually it was a snow over Halloween was coming. So I harvested them early and then I had to dry them in my garage and was doing great. And only a handful kind of like rotted and molded. So I threw them out. And then over Christmas we had a freak warm weather, rainy, every day, high humidity, entire week long this weather event happened. And majority of my loofahs molded and rotted like I just could not spare them. And I was down to three. And these last three made it. And my goodness, it was an entire year of a lot of work for these three loofahs. (laughs) So if anybody is thinking of planting loofahs, now's the time to start, especially if you're in the colder climates. So I'm in Indiana. I'm in southern Indiana. I think I'm in gardening zone 5B, 5A or 5B. I think I'm 5B. So that's the zone that I'm in, but definitely start now if you're at this latitude or higher. And I'd also like to point out that the YouTube video that I watched said, (laughs) because that's my research is a YouTube video on growing loofahs. That's why I'm so much of an expert now. The YouTube video said to leave them on the vine as long as possible. But obviously if it's, you're about to have a freeze, that doesn't work. You have to harvest them. And then it said it would take about three weeks for them to dry out. And it totally took about three to four months for these suckers to dry out. So I'm just letting you know ahead of time to anticipate that. The next major accomplishment that I would love to share with everybody is that two Fridays ago, I stayed up late and I made birthday hats. A while back, like over Christmas break, I made a happy birthday banner from Scrap Fabrics and then my goal was to make birthday hats because the last birthday we had was my birthday in September and it was pretty sad. (laughs) The happy birthday banner just said happy birthday because the H fell off because it was a dollar at the Dollar Tree like four years ago when I got it. So the little cardboard paper banner was falling apart. The hats were falling apart. The candle stopped burning halfway through the birthday song because it ran out of wick. So, <laughs> so I decided right then and there that we need much better birthday decorations. And I wanted them to be as sustainable as possible. And after searching a whole bunch of stores and scouring the internet, which I did find a bunch on Etsy. So if you're not crafty and you don't want to make them yourself, you can go to Etsy and make them. But I just took it on as a challenge because I personally do love crafts and it's rare that I get to do them now that I've had children because they always want to help. So that leaves me with helping them with a craft that makes a giant mess that I clean up or I have to do it during nap time. (laughs) And that's how I accomplish a lot of things is during nap time or after the kids go to bed but I did it. It definitely took me like two hours to make the birthday hats because I didn't know what I was doing and had to do a lot of troubleshooting. If you're on the Starting Sustainability Facebook group, you would have seen that I posted it last weekend that I did it and had pictures of it and gave like a real general guide. I didn't really break it down and do a step-by-step guide, but if you have questions, definitely reach out to me and I can help you through it. So that way it's a much quicker and less painful process for you. But the good news for me is that I don't have to make any more because these are designed to be reusable. Yay. (laughs) And I got them ready just in time for Channing's birthday. And we were able to test them out this past weekend. The happy birthday banner and the hats. All of the gifts were in cloth bags, which if you're not familiar with cloth gift bags, oh my gosh, they are so easy. I love them. My one and three-year-olds were able to help wrap the gifts because all you have to do is drop it in the bag and pull the drawstring shut. The end. No tape, no scissors, no mess, no worry about the wrapping paper ripping. None of that drama. I love cloth gift bags. But after setting up the table and looking at it, I decided that we do need special party plates. I mean, we used real forks, real plates, and real cloth napkins, but I kind of want special party ones. The ones that only come out just for the birthday parties that are extra fun and bright and colorful and kind of help dress up the table a little bit more. So now I'll be heading off to the thrift stores to look for some really fun, reusable party plates that I can have. They're just going to be like regular plates, probably most likely picnic plates. But I'm just going to dub them the party plates. Also, during Channing's birthday celebration, it was Valentine's and the Super Football Game. It's copyrighted. Is it copyrighted? Copywritten? Either way, there's a copyright on it, so I can't legally say that term. So I have to change it to Super Football Game. (laughs) I know, it's really silly. But I am legally protecting myself. We had a wonderful Valentine's celebration. We had a wonderful super super football game celebration at our neighbors. My favorite part was the halftime show, but I'm from the generation where when I was in high school, that was the music that was going through. So when I listened to it, it brought me right back to every single dance that we had in high school. Every homecoming dance, winter formal prom, Sadie Hawkins, all of them. I had a blast. My parents, on the other hand, who are in their 80s, thought the music was trash. (laughs) So that's why I'm laughing about that. And since the last episode was targeted for sustainable jewelry and Valentine's Day, I wanted to give an update that Worthy.com, that was a place you could take your jewelry and sell it that they did get back with me, unfortunately after it already launched the episode, but I did get a promo code and that is worthy.com backslash start, S-T-A-R-T, worthy.com backslash start. So let me walk you through the process of how worthy.com works. If you haven't heard of it before, it's a little bit different than other online used items or pre-loved item sites. So I want to walk you through the process. The first thing you're going to do is prepare for the sale. And Worthy has gemologists in New York City who you would send the jewelry to them. They will professionally clean and photograph your jewelry. And then they will evaluate your jewelry and give you an estimate of the value to expect for sale. And when you ship it to them, it's via FedEx and it is fully insured. Once your piece is ready for auction, you get to pick the price that you're comfortable with and then they will create the auction listing for you and promote it through their buyer network. From there, all you have to do is start your auction and watch the offers roll in. And shortly after the auction concludes, then you will get paid for selling your jewelry. It is as simple as that and you're going to get a lot more money than you would if you took it to the pawn shop downtown. So if you have some jewelry lying around the house that you don't want anymore, it's too old, it was a gift from an ex, you don't need it, you don't want it, it's got bad juju, whatever the case may be, then check out worthy.com backslash start. That is the place to go to sell your jewelry. worthy.com backslash start. Sustainable jewelry isn't the only way to be eco-conscious. If you need help figuring out where to start, or what to target next in your sustainable journey, listen in on my interview with Kate Gartner. She has a book out called Planting a Seed, and it's a guide on how to be successful at incorporating sustainability into your lifestyle. Kate Gartner is a corporate sustainability consultant with 25 years of experience from big brands like Nike down to nimble startups. She holds a Master of Science in Sustainable Management from the University of Wisconsin, and an MBA from Wharton, and is the author of Planting a Seed, Three Simple Steps to Sustainable Living, a guide to lifestyle changes to make to help curb global warming. Welcome, Kate. Hi, thanks for having me, Kaylin. <laughs> so how are you
1: doing? I'm good. I'm good. Happy 2022. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's winter. It's my birthday month. I'm doing good.
0: Oh, it's your birthday month. Well, happy birth month all month long. Yeah, thank you very much. (laughs) And so, where are you located? I live in Portland, Oregon on the West Coast. All right. So, what's the temperature over there?
1: (laughs) It's a really good question. Typically, we have very mild winters, although they've been, you know, they're typically rainy, but it's cold. I mean, we've got frost on the, the ground, we've got frost on the Really icy slick roads, and it's about 37 degrees here.
0: Oh my gosh, it was five degrees today. Yeah, it gets hot up there. In three days, it's gonna be 50 degrees. Talk That's about climate change. Climate change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, can you help explain what you do as a corporate sustainability consultant? Sure,
1: of course I can. Um, so my Company is named Triple Win Advisory, and we really focus on industry, so companies, and we like to focus on companies that you know are, are producing products. Now, not all of our companies are that, uh, and so we really try to educate and help build business cases for the implementation of business circularity within corporate value chains. So we do, we do, we build um, financial business cases. We do, we roll out um, customized and facilitated stakeholder engagement workshops, whether that's degree teams or just educating around what business circularity is, um, or just building the knowledge muscle of workforces and employees around personal sustainability. That's sort of the meat of the work that we do is uh, we conduct carbon inventories. So we we calculate companies' carbon footprint emissions, and then we try to develop sustainability roadmaps for them. So, future-looking three to five-year action plans where there's metrics um, to measure progress
0: towards goals. You sound very busy.
1: I mean the carbon the carbon inventories are sort of like the the baseline of what every company has to do these days, which is you you know there's Yeah, there's there's things that you can do around sustainability, but unless you understand what your impact is on the environment, you don't know where to go, right? You need to develop a trend line. And then the sustainability roadmaps, yeah, I mean they encompass a lot, but they're actually really fun because then I can see that companies are embedding sustainability in really meaningful ways, ideally in support of their strategic business goals.
0: So if a company hires you as a consultant, the top three things that you would kind of do for them would be the carbon counting and the sustainability road mapping, or is there other stuff that you would do?
1: I mean, there's always education, 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 right? So, I mean, a lot of what I do is just talking to people about what E is of ESG disclosures, So sometimes there's just a long process of just education, but yeah, definitely carbon inventories, sometimes materiality maps or assessments, which is going out to stakeholders of the company and saying, Hey, what are your concerns around climate change? And what would you want the company to do to help mitigate, reduce their environmental impact? And then developing the sustainability roadmaps are in combination. And then I love doing the workshops. It's just because I try to make it interactive and accessible and applicable to companies and also to individuals.
0: Listeners want to hire you to do consultant work for their companies. What would be the best way to get a hold of you for that?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, I do have two websites. (laughs) So my, I know that makes it difficult. Uh, So if they wanted to do that, they would go to triplewinadvisory.com and go to the contact page. They could also look at our case studies and just learn a little bit more about what Triple Win does. To answer your second question, if you're just an individual that wants to like, get in the game and, and get be more sustainable in their lives or in their households or in their families or in their communities, then probably go to kategartner.com.
0: Let's spell out Gartner because it's an unusual spelling. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: Kate is K-A-T-E, not with a C. And then Gartner is G-A-E-R-T-N-E-R. It's KateGartner.com. It's a bastardized version of a
0: German last name. I think a lot of Americans have last names that are like that. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. They just drop things. I'm not really sure where Chenowith comes from. We my husband and I looked it up once. I mean, obviously, I'm married into this last name, and we think it's Welsh, but that's not even confirmed.
1: No, it's a really unusual last name. I, I mean I, if I, if I, if I, if I saw it, I was like, mm, I'm not sure where that that uh, storylight comes from. So yeah, interesting.
0: Now we've got Kristen Chenoweth to help us out. Some people are like, how do you say her last name? Like, like the actress, Kristen Chenoweth. And then my husband is chanting, like Channing Tatum. So I was like, I just got double celebrity and none of the money. (laughs) So in addition to running your own business and being super busy, being a consultant, you found time to write a book and that is called Planting a Seed. Three Simple Steps to Sustainable Living. So can you give us a real brief overview about the book and then we can dive into the nitty gritty.
1: So the book is really for individuals or families and it was trying to break down this broad idea of what, how do you define sustainability? And you he- you hear a lot and read a lot about sustainable stuff. How do you live sustainably? And I wanted to take a holistic perspective on personal sustainability and and break it down into elements and buckets and categories that people can gravitate towards. So there are various frameworks in there. One is, you know, what is your personal value driver? Or how do you make decisions? What drives you to make the decision that you do, and stay committed to goals that you make for yourself. The second framework is just breaking down measures, sustainability measures people can take into, there's seven buckets, but there could be eight buckets, Um, and, and talking about how you can directly and or indirectly affect your emissions within those seven or eight buckets as categories, impact categories. Um, And then it's talking about behavior change and habit change, right? So we do really have to address this. So it's, you can be very aspirational. Yeah, I'm going to be sustainability in all areas of my life. But if you don't fully understand what that takes to make change, um, even if it's positive and, beneficial and it feels good, you probably are likely going to fall off the wagon and stop doing it. Right. So we do have to talk about that. And then I talk a little bit about starting where you are. So we're all at different places. It's sort of this Buddhist idea of um, you know, you have to plant a seed. Not everybody is where you are. They're not at the certain enlightenment, enlightenment stage. Um, so start where you are, which is if you haven't ever tried being sustainable in your life, then go for small sustainability measures. Those are really easy to do. They might not even cost you any money to implement. They probably don't require a lot of process change um, and you can just maybe it's one and done right um, versus someone who's really steeped in this and then you start maybe medium and large and go for a little bit a harder um, goal maybe a more challenging goal so i talk about that and then at the end of the book i talk a little bit about being a stakeholder having agency feeling empowered that even though you're just one person or for a household of four you really do make a difference And then building out, right, thinking in systems that it's not you, but it's your family, it's your neighborhood, it's your community, it's your state, it's your country, and then it's the whole world, right? We're all part of humanity. And then I think lastly, the book talks about uh, becoming an activist, right, a citizen activist, a climate activist, because we really do have to make change at all levels, and we do have to affect What happens in your state or city or town, right? So we have to vote in the people that have our values that want to mitigate climate change. And we have to do that on all different scales.
0: Thank you for explaining the book. That's very well summed up. Let's back it up all the way to the beginning. The very first step of your three step plan is determining your value driver. So, can you explain the different value drivers and how people can determine which value driver best fits them?
1: Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to try to do this in a very succinct way. So, value drivers again. It's it's what is what happens in your brain when you make a decision about buying something or going somewhere, or, or committing to a goal, right? And so, I I want people to think of sustainability as not something that's additive, but something that's embedded into their value system, right? Um sort of who they are, their ethos, right? It's not again, not something you need to layer over. It should be included into your value system. So the value drivers, you know, the first one is are you driven to save money? So every yes. decision that you make, right? Do you decide between the the most expensive one, the least expensive one, or maybe you decide to always go in the middle. I'm going to I'm going to do the take the middle of the road. If, but is that your decision-making versus someone who maybe has more of a decision, a design aesthetic in their decision-making? I'm going to go with the most attractive thing, irrespective of whether it's most expensive or least expensive. So the first value driver is, are you driven by saving money? And if you are, then all, there's all these sustainability measures that you can apply in your life that will save you money in a very, very short period of time. Then the second value driver is health. So are you driven to are your decisions driven because you want to live a healthy um, lifestyle, right? You want to be healthy physically and mentally? Well, if so, then there's all these other sustainability measures that reinforce good health and well-being. The third value driver is community are you, and, and this is a very big one in, in the state of Oregon, are you driven by always trying to uplift your fellow humans and residents um, and, and create a vibrant economy? You know, so you're supporting local entrepreneurs and makers and purveyors, right? Um, if that's your value driver, your primary value driver, then there's all these sustainability measures you can take. And then the last one, which is, Um, everyone's like, of course, but you know, are you driven to really support the environment and the biodiversity of the earth, right? So you're concerned about chemical use and pesticide use and native plants and, um, invasives. I mean, so if that really is sort of your, your lens, the frame that you use, again, there's a bunch of different sustainability measures you can take that reinforce that for you.
0: Okay, so the value drivers are the Pennywiser saving money, Be Bester for health, the bridge builder for community, and then the nature lover for all of humanity. Did I get that right?
1: Yeah, well, for the environment and biodiversity, right? The, non, the non-human
0: world. Oh, okay, okay. So I did not quite get that right, but that's why you're here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> From reading this, I was like, well, I kind of identify with all of them. So you don't have to have just one value driver. You can have more than one. Absolutely. Okay, great.
1: <laughs> people really identify with two. I mean, they're sort of, you know, but they, they do say, yeah, I'm really, you know, I'm all about the environment or yeah, it's definitely about saving money or, or one of or the others, but it's usually two that are pretty dominant. Okay. What are your two? <laughs> it's not saving money. Um, I would say it's about community and the environment for me. Community first, environment second.
0: You know, and I think I'm the opposite. I think I am saving money and health, but I'm a registered dietitian by trade. So I'm already attracted to the health. And then I work really hard for my money and I like to keep my money. And I feel like everybody always wants my money. So I'm like, anytime I can save money and put it towards fun stuff versus bills, I'm all about it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's good. That makes us very well-rounded as a couple. (laughs) It does, I know, we got all our bases covered. Yeah, <laughs> we're good. <laughs> okay. So then step two of your three-step guide is to nourish seeds. There are seven impact categories that you talk about in your book. And I'm going to cheat because I have them written down. <laughs> Transportation, energy, home and property, food, material goods, water, and trash. So how does my value driver relate to these impact categories and how is this nourishing my seeds?
1: So one, you have to think of the impact categories as education, right? So this is, these, these are the categories under individual's control, right? Either directly or indirectly, right? So we live somewhere, whether we rent or own, we have to commute if not for work right now, for groceries, for pharmacy, for school, for exercise, right? To go to doctors. Um, So these are just grouping our lives into seven categories, right? So the home and property could be separate, but it could be an eighth category. And then when you, you had mentioned, how do I I sort of decide or determine my value drivers and, and where it's important? So The book basically says, I just want you to start, right? If you've thought about sustainability, but you don't do it right now, learn about what's possible and what's under your control. And then pick one, two, or three of these categories. Don't pick all eight. Just pick one. So if you're really into food, you love food and you're really concerned about land use or eating animal proteins or um, wanting you've, you've aspirationally wanted to become maybe a vegan, right? So you pick the food category. If you don't own your home or property, maybe that's not the category that you start with, right? That doesn't necessarily make sense. Why put money into a rental when you don't own that rental. Um, but transportation is a really good one. So you, you, the impact categories are about where it speaks to you, where you want to start applying some sustainability measures in your life. And then once you decide that, you go back to your value driver and say, oh, okay, well, I know that I'm driven by saving money and I'm gonna focus on the transportation category. I own a combustion engine vehicle. Um, Maybe I can get rid of that and lease a hybrid. They seem to be affordable. Maybe even EV as a stretch, maybe not. Maybe I'm like, okay, maybe I'll go get um, a ski scooter or an e-bike or totally ditch it. And I'm like, you know what, my commute's not that long. This is really for urban dwellers. I'm going to start walking and taking public transportation to work. So these are the aspects and it doesn't cost any money. Right. Um, if, you are focused on food, you could say, well, meat can be very costly. So I'm just going to focus on beans. I'm going to try to cut out as much meat as possible. I'm going to save money that way. Or I've decided, you know what, I've got a little small, small plot of land or a balcony, and I'm going to, I'm going to grow some summer fruits and vegetables, and that's going to save me money at the grocery store. So that's where you combine them. You pick one or two lanes of impact categories, and then you apply your value driver to the decisions you're going to make.
0: Okay, that makes a lot more sense because I was reading through your book. So each impact category has its own chapter. And then at the end of each chapter is a little chart based on your value drivers or different suggestions of things that you can do. And I would sit there and be like, okay, which ones have I done? Which ones have I not done? Which ones do I need to do? And I'm like struggling because certain ones like transportation, I do own a combustion engine vehicle, unfortunately, and I have a 35 mile commute. So riding my bike means I'd have to leave at like four in the morning. And I got to take my kids to daycare on the way. (laughs) And it's like five degrees outside. So that sounds miserable. And there's no public transport because I'm in a rural area. So I was like, oh, like, I'm really stressing, trying to figure out what can I do for transportation but there's other areas where I'm like nailed it I did every single one or here's an area that I could work on I've done some but I can come back to it and refocus on it so I really like that you have that chart at the end of each chapter that helps you navigate with your value driver. I really like that. So
1: you made a really good point like transportation right now with small kids in a cold environment with a long commute you're not going to be able to do very much there. That's okay. Let's just redirect and focus on other impact categories where you think you can affect change in your life.
0: So in your own life, going at all of these separate impact categories, do you notice yourself sticking within your value drivers or do you notice yourself kind of trying other areas as well? You're probably like a master at sustainability at this point. So (laughs) you probably do everything anyways.
1: (laughs) It's a really, really good question community has just always been embedded in how I make decisions. For instance, I skew Amazon. I just refuse, just refuse to buy from Amazon. And I'm willing to be patient and wait when I have to buy from local or regional purveyors that you have longer lead times, right? It's not that I get it in 24 hours, I get it the same day. Um, I think that From an environmental standpoint, I've really put that into practice. So at 45 was the first year that I owned. A house ever in my life right we moved back from europe and we were able to buy a place in portland and i'm on a hill and um the developer had stripped it so i cut all the trees down to redevelop renovate the house that had been there so it's an old house but had been renovated and they stripped the hill of trees and they actually didn't plant anything so for a couple of years it was weed filled it was just weeds it was vines and blackberries which are invasives um, to the pacific Northwest and i knew that i didn't want to develop the land so i didn't want to um I didn't want to cement it up. I didn't want to put any kind of bricks in there. I really wanted to to bring it back to its natural state and it was going to be expensive, but that's what I did. So I went with, I escaped it, made it drought resistant, used all natives, replanted the hill, irrigated it so that the plants wouldn't die, the trees wouldn't die. And then, you know, to strip it of invasives, it was going to take like three or four years. I, I have somebody come out once a month and make sure that, you know, they basically weed out the ivy and the blackberries because they'll just take over if you don't. That's the environment aspect to me. I think the things that I'm working on still is the consumption, mainly around body products and kitchen stuff sponges and paper towels and plastic bags, like stuff that, especially with kids, I've got two young kids. So there's a lot of consumption happening. Snacks. I'm still working on figuring that out.
0: Let everybody know when you do, because we're also all trying to figure out snacks. Like all I've got is trail mix, boxes of raisin, like carrot sticks, you know, things that things that little kids are super excited about every day. <laughs> oh, yeah mom, please more, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, can I please have more celery? Can't wait to get <laughs> home for my <laughs> afternoon snack of celery. Like, <laughs> We all have areas that we can continue to work on and do the best that we can given the situation that we're in. Like snacks is an issue. Transportation might be an issue, whatever the case may be. So back to your guide, we did steps one and two, which is figuring out your value driver, examining the impact categories. Now, the last step is growing the seeds. And this entails the different buckets that you're talking about. Can you elaborate on that right now?
1: So growing seeds is really developing an action plan. So once you know your value driver, and once you've decided on, you know, one or multiple impact categories that you're just going to focus on, then you write out a plan. What are the measures? Are they small, medium, large? So you have a very clear idea of, what you need to do, what you need to change. Going out to a hardware store and changing incandescents to LED bulbs. That's kind of a one and done, right? You, and once you put all the LED lights in there, you've got to probably change them out every four or five years, right? That's an easy, and, and right now they're just oh, nearly as affordable as an incandescent. So it's like, it's a it's nearly a no-brainer. But there are things, you know, like maybe you want to purchase you know, as much zero waste food and um, household products as possible. And that might require you to bring bags all the time or to go to a separate grocery store for certain things that don't package up soaps and, you know, eggs and things like that. So that's more of a process change. It also might cost a little bit more. So you have to budget that in. So these are this plant, the growing the seeds very much putting an action plan in place and Figuring out how much finance, extra finance you have to put to it and what processes you have to change so that you go to it, that you can commit to that. And then there's, again, what I said, that the, the growing the seeds is also sort of communicating um, out to others that this is really joyous and good and beneficial. So it's, it's becoming a, a change agent.
0: Very well said. And something that you didn't mention when you're going through the last step, which is figuring out your small, medium, and large buckets or your goals you have on your website, KateGartner.com, You have nice little resources and checklists and tools to help you develop your action plan. And so I read the whole book. Then I went to your website, printed them all off. I have them right here. Print them off. And then I found myself like going back through your book to like reassess. So, listeners, my advice to you is print these off first. And then as you go through and read the book, you can like fill them out as you're going through the book. Then it will just be a little bit easier for you. (laughs) Or you can read the book twice. You know, that's also very great. Education, education, right? Yes. (laughs) So, it's something else that I did that I wanted to share with you. I did this for myself. And then I went back and got a whole nother goal sheet for my church because we're going to be starting up a green team. So we cool. haven't started it yet, but I was like, this is actually a really wonderful tool that I can use for church. I mean, I know you intended it for personalized, but you could use it at a small business or at your church or somewhere else in your community that you're a member of. So I, I want to thank you for this guide, because that helped me on a whole of trying to do a lot of research and work. I was like, oh, now I've just got it all laid out nice and neat, because I'm not so great at Excel spreadsheets. So your, <laughs> your tools were wonderful. <laughs>
1: No, I mean, and that, I mean, I love that. I mean, I love the green team thing is a really big thing. It's growing in corporations, but schools are doing it. Churches are doing it. You know, nonprofits are doing it. So I think it's great. I mean, that I just want, I just want the message to be spread that way. And hopefully the tools are useful. That's, that's the intended purpose.
0: Maybe we should explain these forms. We just keep talking about them, but let's kind of explain like what you have.
1: Sure. So it is, if you go to kategartner.com and then you go, you scroll down just slightly and it says tools, um, there's all these different worksheets and one is, um, called decide your personal value driver. So it actually gives you a little bit of information on how to think about who you might be, how you, what, what you're driven by, whether that's frugality or fitness and outdoor activity Trust, fellowship, and symbiosis—I put in there—and then concern for you know a, a clean, healthy environment. So that's, you know, deciding your personal value driver. And then there are, once you decide that it's a worksheet, then they're all editable. So they're PDF editable ones. So you can actually just edit them and um, put your information in there digitally and then print it out. But it's sustainability measures by value drivers. So if you are a B Bester and you're all about healthy living, like Kayla is, then you can write in there a bunch of sustainability measures that you might want to pursue under healthy living, under that value driver. That's one worksheet another worksheet is the sustainability measures by impact category so this is actually going into and saying food all you know the seven impact categories are you know in rows and then you can say oh here's a small measure I can take here's a medium measure I can take or a large measure and you can do that for each of the seven impact categories So that is again just it's bucketing what's easy what's effortful and what's a little bit more challenging. And then there's two more. There's a a bunch of worksheets that actually get down to like developing smart goals and what you expect, like outcomes you expect. And that's by each impact category. So energy, food, waste, water, right? And then you can write down your specific measures you can take, and then you develop smart goals effectively. And then you can look back and say, Oh, I thought this was going to cost me X amount per month or X amount per year. And the the benefit was going to be this. And actually it was even better than that. It cost me less and a lot more benefits. And then the last one is a sustainability checklist. So this is something, you know, I suggest people putting up either in their office on a whiteboard, corkboard, or the refrigerator, and you can track your measures that you're taking daily, weekly, monthly, and by the the year And, and just say, listen, I've done it. And I'm going to continue to do it or I kind of fell off the wagon and maybe I should recommit.
0: Awesome. So I did all of those and I have my sustainability checklist in my hand. So I just want to kind of share a couple of my goals. I mean, I have goals for every single category, but I got a lot of new ideas from your book that I hadn't even considered before. So I just kind of wanted to share some of those. Like for energy, I feel like we do a pretty good job being energy conscious. We have the LED. We always make sure all the lights are turned off. Every once in a while, I'll leave a window open, forget about it. (laughs) When it's a nice day, and then all of a sudden, like it's really cold in here. here. Yeah. Shoot. (laughs) Gosh, dang it. So, but something I did not think about was just using the shades, like the curtains for your light source and using that. So, in the winter time, I purposefully open up the shades, like the curtains, because I know I'm going to be gone all day, but that's going to allow light to come in and help heat up our house. (laughs) And then in the summertime, I need more conscious of closing them. (laughs) But instead of flipping on the light switch, every time I enter a room, like the curtain is right there, right on the other side of light switch, how would I just flick the curtain open something simple like that. And then I guess the hard part of this is getting my family on board. (laughs) Well, That that. is the hard part that actually is a challenge. Yeah. (laughs) That is the hardest part of sustainability is getting the people that I live with also on board. I am in agreement with that. For home and property, a rain barrel cistern, which I wanted to do. I put it on my Christmas list. I didn't get it. So now it's on my sustainability goals for this year. So even though I didn't get it as a, a gift for Christmas, it's, it's now a goal that I will somehow obtain that. <laughs> and for food to become a CSA member, I, I've known about it. I tend to just go to the farmer's markets, but I've never actually become a CSA member. So my goal is to do that. This is my favorite one. This is the whole reason I wanted to share this with you. I learned this in your book and I've never heard of it. I think it's just a West coast thing. Maybe other people have heard of it. I don't know. If it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, (laughs) flush it down.
1: (laughs) They're doing it in South Africa. They're doing it in the middle East. I learned about it in New York city, actually at a yoga studio. I mean, you read about that. They do it. They do it a lot here, especially in California. Not necessarily in Portland because we have so much water. But it doesn't smell that much. I mean, because we go to the bathroom so often these days. Um, well, at least I do after kids. Yeah, I mean every second flush. It's not that big of a deal. Have you been? Have you been trying it? You just close the lid
0: because so, then if it's sitting there all day, when you open up the lid, you're like, "Oh, I smell it." So you just keep the lid
1: absolutely. And my kids yeah. do that. That's the problem. Like my kids gotten into it. Finally, my eight year old hated that. She's like, "Why is it always over there?" yellow. Um, but now he, they, they, leave it there all day. I'm like, you can't, I mean, if you know, it's going to be there all day for like 10 hours, like just flush it because it does, it does sting, but not after like an hour or two, not after even four hours.
0: Yeah. So it works better on the weekend, but during the week, like I go first thing in the morning and then I leave the house and then I'll come back for 10 hours. I'm like, that's not really working, but I am potty training my youngest, who's doing awesome. I have a three-year-old and then a one-and-a-half-year-old, and, and he's doing awesome. But he, his favorite thing to do is flush the potty. So he'll sit there and flush it four times a row. And I was like, now I'm more motivated than ever to get you to not do that. <laughs> it's cool because it, you know, it flings back and forth, right? And so picking up where I left off, material purchases, I wanted to limit myself to only five brand-new clothing items for the whole year for myself and five for each kid. So everything's going to be use what I've got, but I gave myself some brand new items. Cause like socks, swimsuits, like some things it's really hard to find use <laughs> that fit well and are comfortable. So I still gave myself that leave, but I thought that would be a good way to reduce material items. And then for transportation, I would like to lease or buy an electric vehicle. I currently have a car that's paid off, so it's hard to say goodbye to that. So that that's a long-term goal. That might be a 2023 goal. Just kind of depends on how the how the world lays out, I guess. And prices of cars are insane right now. They're insane.
1: But I would say if you even, if that becomes a reality, a potential reality, I would say right now, lease, just because the technology is changing so significantly and you're getting longer and longer ranges and bigger EVs, right. That where you can carry more people, I mean, EV that I have, you know, I mean, it's tiny and I'm like, I love it, but my children complain now because, you know, they're just like, mom, it's not big enough. I'm like, well, it's cool still, but yeah, it's a great goal to have. Awesome.
0: Awesome. What is an area in your life where you still need improvement in regards to being sustainable?
1: So I was, I've, I, you know, I was a vegetarian for about eight years and then I had children and, um, my husband's never been a vegetarian. He likes, he's it, he likes meat. Um, and so I have started back up eating meat, but I really don't, well, one, I don't enjoy it as much. Um, and two, I really know that I, probably shouldn't. Um, I think I I'm a, I'm a believer actually in being a pescatarian. I do believe in, in, in fish protein, especially sustainably sourced, um, and managed fish. And we're lucky again, the Pacific Northwest has amazing fish and abundant fish. So I, I struggle with that. I struggle with that because I'm the one who makes most of the the meals. And nobody else wants to be a vegetarian. And it's not necessarily great for kids, especially when they're really fast growing. And then I would say what you mentioned, um, it's really hard to give up not buying clothing. So I don't buy a lot. I'm not, you know, I'm not a major consumer, but I mean, sometimes, you know, you need a. Like I've got holes in my, my sweaters, you know, and I'm like, okay, it's been like that. And I'll patch them and I'll sew them. And, um, but at some point you're like, okay, it's hard for me to go out and look like reasonable. Right. So you, it's hard. I mean, giving up buying brand new clothing is difficult, but the good thing is, is there's, there's an increasing growing market of renewed clothing, clothing that's been refurbished.
0: Those are good.
1: I'm not perfect.
0: So, if members of Sustainer Nation have questions about anything that we've talked about today, what is the best way for them to get a hold of you? What is your contact information?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I love, you know, people um, getting a hold of me via email. So, kate at kategartner.com. They can always, you know, direct message me at Twitter. So at Kate Gartner. Yeah. And then just sign up for my newsletter. If they want to sign up for my newsletter, I'm always sending out stuff, just like good tips and information.
0: Hopefully you'll get some more people signing up for that now. Yeah, it'd be great. Well, that's pretty much the end of the interview with the exception that I have a little game if you would like to play. Okay. Why oh, not? Wonderful. You wonderful. Do that with everybody. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> so your book, the whole premise of your book, the beginning of it, step one is you have to identify your value driver. Value drivers are the key. And then after that, you can continue on your sustainable journey and work your way through your book there and how people can become more sustainable throughout their lives and incorporate it. So this game is called other drivers. So you have value drivers, which is the Pennywiser, be Bester, Bridge Builder, and Nature Lover. So now I'm gonna quiz you on other drivers. Okay. (laughs) Listeners, you can't see her face, but she looks a little Uh, worried and scared at the same time. I'm so slightly excited. (laughs) This particular club is used in a game of golf to achieve the most distance. Do you know the name of that club?
1: No, I think it's like
0: it's like the seven or nine driver. Oh, I have no idea about the numbers. I was just going for the driver. So good job for you. <laughs> the driver, It's a, a
1: putter and a driver. Yeah.
0: I grew up playing all sports except golf. No idea about the game of golf or the other clubs in the bag, but I was like, there's a driver in golf. I'll make that one of the questions. That sounds good. Here's your next question. Now I'm, I'm, I'm relieved now. I'm like, okay, I can do this. Oh yes. You can totally do this. <laughs> A heavy-duty tool used to place poles into soil to build piers, bridges, and other pole-based structures. A driver? A pile driver? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Oh, this should be so easy. (laughs) these drivers in all of them, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> these are other drivers. <laughs> you got it. You got it. <laughs> Fun fact. The pile driver is also a WWE wrestling finishing move. <laughs> really? The pile yeah. <laughs> My husband is really big into WWE. So when he's like goofing off with our kids, he'll like, quote unquote, wrestle with them because they're like one and three. So he'll like wrestle with them on the couch and he'll yell out these moves. And he's like the pile driver. And he'll like do the move on them. Slam them into the couch and they're like laughing and giggling. Okay, the next question. This is a type of license needed to operate a vehicle. A driver's license. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're doing so wonderful. What's going on, Thank you. Know, you know, yeah. All right. This is your last question. Therefore, it is the most challenging question. All right, really put your thinking cap on now. Kyle Bush, Jimmy Johnson, jeff gordon and ryan newman these are people who are all what
1: some kind of drivers
0: they go really really fast
1: oh race car drivers
0: yeah i guess you're not into racing
1: um No, I love, I love Indy 500 and all in formula one, but like, I don't ever, I never watch them because they're really long.
0: (laughs) They are really long, but I am in Indiana. So like, that's a big thing around here. I was like, oh, I guess I should have taken that into consideration that you're not from like a race, race car state. My husband's
1: been there. Like he's done it a couple times. I'm like, I want to go. It'd be, and it's got to be amazing there in person
0: loud so loud in person it's memorial day weekend and i don't know what it is because it's like the tail end of may it should be in the 60s or 70s but for whatever reason whenever it's indy 500 day it's at least 95 degrees hot and sunny everybody goes to the race there's nothing but pure sun there's no shade anywhere on that track everybody is drunk and bright red like lobster fried red because they're there all day long (laughs) so so if you ever do go bring a shade umbrella and wear a tank top because it's miserable hot (laughs) noted noted (laughs) kate it has been a blast thank you so much for playing my game thank you for coming on board and doing the interview your book was excellent listeners when you get a chance go to her website kategartner.com get her book check it out and it is january well we're doing the interview in january this is going to launch in february but it's still the new year so you can easily incorporate this into any of your sustainability related new year's resolutions
1: yeah. And then, you know, we're sort of we're facing into Earth Day and Earth Month in April. So yeah, it's a great time.
0: Yeah, even better. Good thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All okay, right. Well good to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Thanks you so time. much. Great job, Kate. Thank you again for coming on Starting Sustainability and sharing with us your book. I know you put a lot of hard work into that book, and it's really a good guide for anybody who feels kind of stuck in their sustainable journey, like, I've done this, I've done that, I don't know what to do next, then this is a great book to use. It's a great resource to help get you going. Now it's time for the weekly challenge. let open up my canister here, draw a card, and it says... If you travel abroad, a lot of airline companies offer carbon offsetting programs where you can pay money to tree planting initiatives as a way to neutralize your flight. That is a great challenge because spring break is coming up very soon obviously it'd be better to walk, ride your bike, or drive your car to your travel destination. But if it's really far away and you have to take a plane, that's okay. This is a great thing to keep in mind when you're shopping for plane tickets. Try to find airline companies that do offer carbon offsetting or different initiatives to neutralize your flight. Tune in on March 7th to listen in on the next exciting topic. It is the new protein source of the future That's right, lab-grown meat. We're going to dive into that and learn all about it. Is it ethical? Is it still vegan? Is it sustainable? We will find out. Until then, everybody have a wonderful rest of your week. Continue to stay warm through this cold February month as best as you can. I hope everybody has wonderful travel adventures, if that is coming up your way, with spring break approaching. Continue to stay sustainable. And I will see you all on March 7th. Have a great one. Bye. Welcome to the Realistic Sustainability Podcast, a guide to greening your life. Each week, we will explore
1: sustainability concepts and what we can do to reduce our family's carbon footprint while growing our positive footprint. This show supports step-by-step progress without those extreme jump-all-in measures. So join us on Anchor
0: or your favorite podcast platform and subscribe today.